the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. familiar with Travis, now's the time. Travis is a singer and a songwriter originally from Mississippi who now calls Nashville home and, and has for many years. Look, Travis has been through it, y'all, and the result of those years of struggle and thankfully recovery really come out in his songs. Travis has written songs for Winona Judd, Dirks Bentley, Blackberry Smoke, and many, many more. To fully appreciate him, you really have to experience what his childhood friend describes as the spiritual encounter that is his live show. But I also recommend becoming familiar with his outstanding solo records, namely Killing Uncle Buzzy and First Cigarette. At the start of the show, you heard the title track from First Cigarette, and at the end, you'll hear a tune we discussed during the show. It's called Sideways, and I love it so very much, as does Travis. Travis was on tour with American Aquarium. We caught up before his show at Will's Pub, and the show and the conversation were both absolutely top drawer. He's a hell of a nice guy, so fascinating, and I so greatly appreciate his taking time to speak with us. You can find Travis's music anywhere you consume music. You can also go over to travismeadows.com. I love his website. We talk about that during the show as well. He's got some really cool merch on there, really badass t-shirts and posters and all kinds of really cool stuff that you can buy to help support what he does. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Travis Meadows. Toot, toot, toot. Yeah, I think we're all good. Howdy, howdy. Man, I've just been loving that record. It's just so good. Um, and I, so I want to talk about so many different things. But the other thing that, like, that's been really cool, um, your website is fucking cool, man. Yeah. I don't know if you've spent any time on it or, or you know, what the story It's just really It's different from the average, you know. Um, the, the aesthetic of it, you know, like... Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, oh, we're going. We're, we're recording. Oh, yeah, Okay, yeah. well, then I'll get on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Let me make sure I still got you. But I think we're all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, is there – yeah, let's start there. I wasn't even going to talk about it in that way, but is the 
creatively do you think about that about what the the aesthetic of the website looks like yeah of course because yeah. you know i mean we're living in a, in a day and age when um when uh looks are important you yeah. know i mean and and the the normal attention span i think the last time i read was like seven seconds it's unbelievable you know where where people get bored you yeah know? so i i did want to make it to where you didn't have to click more than because if i got to click more than twice i'm out so true I'm gone. yeah so i tried to put everything like that but patrick my uh man he's kind of my everything i call him a tour manager but he does everything but he's the one that kind of put it together okay the, the top of it uh, you know when i was doing everything myself um uh i got tired of looking at my bio uh, you know travis was you know and everybody <laughs> knows you do all that shit right yeah, and yeah, so yeah. i got tired of that and i deleted it and i just put you know an orphan that turned into a preacher a preacher you know the whatever that thing was and, my um, notes the top yeah. of my notes <laughs> yeah and uh and and put that on there and that was up there for probably a year and a half or so um just because i felt like you know if you want to know about me that's enough Oh, that's, wow. enough, that's enough to pique your interest and yeah. as, as the you know as the following started to grow we we knew that we kind of had needed to branch out a little bit and and uh and make it a little more uh a little more detailed some people like to read those things so we put links you know what eric church had to say in rolling stone magazine and whatnot and right. uh, just just try to you know make it where people are you know when they when they do discover the music or are interested in a Go and click, and it's kind of one-click shop, and you can find everything from tour dates to what people say about me to la da 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 da. You know. Yeah, and it's laid it's laid out in a way that makes you want to stay. And I read the I ended up re I do want to talk about that shortened bio too, but I read the letter from your friend Chuck, that really heartfelt yeah. letter that's yeah. on there. Yeah, can, like can you say what well, like how that came about? Why you chose well, to put that on Chuck, there? Well, Chuck, kind of stuff. Chuck uh, was one of my oldest living friends. I I, I have a detachment issue um when things start going south i just cut i just cut and run oh okay i think because of my childhood or whatever and so uh yeah. but he's one of those that somehow i just kind of maintained a, uh, maintained a f friendship with for years <clears throat> and chuck w was interesting he's the guy that turned me on to springsteen he's a guy the first time i heard you too we were 10 11 years old listening to a, a, a vinyl he's like you got to check this out so he really turned me on he was like a year or two older than me and he turned me on to some really cool music, and um, and and strangely, years go by, right? And I start having this magical, unintended, small success. After I had given up on being an artist, um, I moved to Nashville to be a writer because music today is kind of young and beautiful, and I'm neither. <laughs> so I'd kind of given up on being an artist, and I was just going to be a writer. And then through this weird course of events, I became an artist again. Yeah. And it's the damnedest thing how, you know, it was more important what Chuck thought about my music than what Rolling Stone uh, thought about my music. That's great. And he wouldn't come to any shows. I yeah. Would, I would go. I'd be within an hour of his house, and he wouldn't show up. Yeah. And I kept going, man. I, I think you'd really dig what I'm doing now. Yeah. You know. But I think. <clears throat> There's a verse in the Bible that says a prophet's not received in his own hometown, you know, uh -huh. and, I, and I think I'm just Travis from the neighborhood to a lot of those guys. So, oh yeah. But he showed up to a show, and he caught the spirit, and that letter was so moving. I'm like, he got it because oh, wow. it is kind of deeply spiritual. I really can't put a finger on what happens at these shows, but it's not just a concert. I mean, there's some. There's some seriously heavy shit going on at these shows, you know, and people are coming up after and they're like, you know, I've never experienced anything like this. Like your music, it, it changed my life or it saved my life or, oh, you know, wow. 
I had a gun to my head and listen to this song. I mean, it's crazy shit. Wow. Yeah, it's really intense stuff. And, and <clears throat> you know, I was a preacher for 17 years. And so, and then I had a big fall um, and, uh, and, and just kind of had to reevaluate all of, you know, everything that I thought I knew. And, uh, and years later, I had some friends say, you know, I don't know what you were doing for those 17 years, but you're preaching now. And mm. I didn't, I, that was too much responsibility for me. And mm -hmm. I think that was part of the problem. I got really good at being a preacher. I could tell you how much money was going to come in. I could just about tell you who was going to come down to the altar when I make the appeal. And, wow. it, and it got a little bit, you know, kind of like a charlatan. And it started really scaring me how good I got at reading people. Yeah, and then I started asking questions that that um, that I didn't like the answers to, so I just kind of had to move away from that. But back to to the point. I, but it did force me to well, what is it that I am doing now? And I think what it is, man, is um, the songs are so brutally honest, and the vulnerability in the songs I think is it gives people permission to be okay where they're at. And I think that's an unusual perspective. Let me explain. Um, if you know, if I had more money, things would be better. Or if uh -huh. I wasn't married to this bitch, if I was married to this one, yeah, you know, yeah. Or if I had this job and I wasn't tied down over here, stuck in this cubicle, then things would be legit, you know. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, the, the I think the, the the if there's a key to happiness, it is that you've got to learn how to be content where you're at. Mm -hmm. And I think I think my music and my story gives people permission. Well, shit, if he, you know, if he can. If he can be okay where he's at, you know, going through all that shit, then certain man, I've got it made over here. And yeah. so, and, and, and I think that's kind of a, a little small peek into the window of what's going on at those shows. You know, people just kind of see that vulnerability and they go, man, I, I can relate to that because I used to be kind of a free spirit, you know, and I thought love was the thing that united us all. Uh -huh. That's bullshit, man. Suffering, suffering, because it, from the White House to the, to the outhouse, it's going to touch everybody, man. And money can't can't you know you can't buy your way out of that you know you can't buy your way out of cancer or uh, you know uh lung disease or you know whatever man getting hit by a car you can't money can't get you out of that you know yeah and so the, it's, but the way that you respond to that you know is uh is is really important and i think my music kind of points to you know the window if it's not a door you know you you can make it man wow Oh man, so much in there I want to talk about. That's beautiful. It, you seem very present, and you just talked about that idea of like being all right where you're yeah. at. Do you do any work on yourself to get there? I have to, man. Yeah. I have to, man. I was dying, you yeah. know. I mean, I was, I was dying a thousand miserable deaths. I think a little bit of that had to do with giving up on the artist part of me. But by the time that I moved, you know, I was an artist, struggling artist. Then I turned into a preacher travel for 17 years and and the reality was i was a good preacher but i really was preaching because it let me sing three songs because that's really what i wanted to do you oh know wow. and in the circles that i was running a music ministry was not credible enough you had to you had to speak the word you know yeah, so yeah. so i became a preacher and and that took me to 30 something countries and you know all over the world and some of the biggest churches in america um and so by the, and by the time that that all fizzled out and I just said I can't do this anymore, I was 38 and I moved to Nashville. Well, I'll just be a songwriter. Yeah. And had given up on being an artist. And I think a part of me that that part of me started starving to death, you know. And I think that's kind of part of what uh, contributed to the downward spiral, you know. Um, Is yeah. that was there that were there environmental factors there too in terms of like so I'm picturing you moved to Nashville. You're 38. 
and you got like a publishing deal where you're sitting yep. in a writer's room yep. kind of thing. Yep. Everything, um, everything that I wanted was happening, but yeah. I was going through every kind of crisis that you could go through. I was going through a midlife crisis, a marriage crisis, a financial crisis, a spiritual crisis, a career crisis all yeah. at the same time. And I just couldn't handle it, man. And so I went back to my first love, which was drugs and alcohol, and just just rode that pony as far as I could ride it, you know. Right. And it almost killed me. And then what was there a moment? I, we all have that, I guess. I say we. There's always that bottom. You yeah, know? I had I had several, you know. Yeah. Um, I started asking for help, uh, you know, previous to the last time to rehab. But it took me about six years to get nine months. And so I would go in and I would try real hard. Uh, you know, at first I just wanted to go learn how to drink like normal people. You know, if I could just, just drink two drinks and stop. Yep. You know, and that that's just not, that doesn't work for me. Because it's all or nothing folks, for yeah. me, you know. And so, um, but, and so I would go back out and I would, you know, I'd do the deal. Um, but even though I, I lost the, uh, how do you say that in a, in a non-AA lingo, even though I lost the time, you know, like it would say I'd have, I'd have 14 days, okay? I lose that 14 days, but I keep the information that I learned for that period, right? Oh, and wow. So f- and so six years into that, you know, I keep getting information. I keep retaining it, being present, you know. Uh, but drinking obviously does not work for me, at, you know. And, and slowly but surely, I went to rehab four times. I went to jail twice. That last trip to jail was it. I'm, uh, I'm done. I yeah. remember walking in um, and... Um, and uh, they they take you to uh, to a nurse to make sure that you know everything's cool, and I just started crying like weeping, ugly crying. And she said, "What's wrong with you?" And and, and I didn't know what to say. And I said, "I'm an alcoholic," you know. Oh and I wow. I didn't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. And she said, "You're not an alcoholic." I said, "Take my pulse. I'm detoxing right now." And she took my pulse. She said, "Shit, it was 188 beats a minute." She said, "Take this pill right now, so we don't have to take you to the hospital." Wow. Yeah, I was I was going into cardiac. Alcohol will kill you when you're getting off of it, man. Yeah. It will mess you up. So, so. how? I, I imagine that your mind opens up a little bit then. I mean, did you have to relearn sort of the songwriting process? It, it was challenging at first, um, you know, doing everything sober. By yeah. that time, I don't think I had played any shows sober in probably six or seven years. Oh, wow. Um, had not played at all in probably one or two because it got so bad I didn't even leave the house hardly. I would sneak into the to publishing company and write a song and leave so nobody would see me. I'd be drinking the whole time because I, I had to drink because I'd be shaking so bad if I didn't. Yeah. I'd keep some vodka out in the hot car under the seat, and I'd start shaking real bad, and I'd run out and tell them I'm going to go pee, and then I'd run out and slug some hot vodka oh my sitting God. in the sun and kind of take the edge off and run back in. And yeah. That went on for a long time. It was just ugly, man. And that kind of chaos, you know, it just finally wears on you um so yeah well i'm glad you came out the other side me too brother yeah that's great um the on the new record you i'm thinking about the times that you spent in those writers rooms or in the you know with that publishing deal the new record if i'm not correct me if i'm wrong the first song is only written by you i think sideways yes right Correct. And then the others you co-write with somebody? Uh, most of them, I think, uh, doing all right. Or a guy like me, uh, I wrote by myself as okay. well. Yeah. Is that, do you prefer writing with other people, or is that just how it worked uh, out? Well, you know, Nashville has a song, uh, a co-writing culture, so it's just kind of yeah. part of the deal because there are so many people recording, and uh, traditionally you can write a song quicker with a little help. 
mm. you know, and so they'll, they'll book you, you know, Thursday, 10 o'clock with so-and-so. He's had cuts on this guy and this guy and this girl, and, and I've had cuts on this one and this one. So you meet, and it's kind of like dating. You light the candles and hope it works. And, <laughs> and, I mean, you know, you're dealing with the best writers in the universe. So right. Or that I know of. Maybe I should say the world. Sure, sure, <laughs> Great sure. Great writers. <laughs> and so... um. <laughs> So it's uh, some alien out there going uh, yeah. like, well, yeah, who's this motherfucker think he is? What are you us for? Yeah. <laughs> you ain't got shit on us. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the planet Pluton is made of writers. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, um, uh, uh, but, I, I, but I do, I feel like, I feel like a lot of times uh, you can lose some identity in a co-write if you're not careful. Uh, uh-huh. But I'm heavy-handed, like, when I, when, I, when I know where I want it to go, I'm not going to let somebody steer it where it shouldn't go in the beginning that was a, a struggle because you want to be nice but i also you know kind of know the ropes a little more than when i first started and and yeah. uh, and, I, and and so there's a trust thing with with some people that i really know and trust yeah and we kind of push towards a, a common goal the, the great thing about co-writing is it'll take you somewhere you never even thought about that's awesome yeah. The bad thing about co-writing is it'll take you somewhere you never wanted to go. Yeah. So it's kind of a toss-up. You kind of got to let go. Yeah. You got to let go yeah, a little bit. And, and some, but sometimes the idea is worth fighting over. I don't have to struggle with that when I'm, when I'm writing alone. But I do, if, if you're not careful and, and all you do is co-write, you'll forget to trust your own instincts. Mm-hmm. And so, man, is this good? I don't know. I don't have anybody to go. Is this good? That's yeah, so right. huge. Having yeah. Getting feedback yep. is so huge. And not deal. having someone there. Not it's, your mother or your right. wife or your boyfriend. Or right. Yeah. Well, in that, in that case, to some extent, I was just talking about this on episode 14 with Matt Burke, is that it, I will say that my, my partner, Chris, she will, she, she'll put me in my place a little bit with some ideas, you right. know? But still, I feel like a lot of people are just like, yeah, that was really good, man. Whatever yeah. story I wrote or yeah. whatever podcast I put out. And I think it's good. Otherwise, I wouldn't put it out sure, there for people course. to hear it. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, so uh, what, what could I have done better? Yeah. Like, yeah. What could I have done differently? Yeah. You know? Yeah, me and my wife, it's, 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 it, it's become a joke now because it'll be, you know, what do you think about this? And she goes, oh, it's great. And I go, what didn't you like about it? Whether it was yeah. positive or not, just sure. kind of messing with her. What what did you not like about it? <laughs> you know, that's my that's my fragile ego talking. Yeah. But um, but you know, a, a long time. I mean, I've learned how the process works, and and I've and I've finally learned how to trust the process. And and I I usually have a pretty good sense of when it's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How can I say this and not sound egotistical? I don't think I write any terrible songs anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm past that. Mm. It's just it's just good and great even only on a first draft oh yeah yeah i mean i've been doing this for 30 something years man you know what i mean and and i've learned how to remove the chaos and 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 kind of aim for the idea um now i like a lot of people when i'm done i'm not sure where it's at that day i have to walk away from it for Mm. a day or two and come back and then it's it's easy like uh, you mentioned sideways Sideways, I have uh, some songs I've written on for years, mm-hmm. some for months, some for days, usually four or five hours these days, and I can usually get a pretty good beat on what's going on. Mm-hmm. That song was 30 minutes, and it just came out, but I'd been chewing on that idea for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't remember exactly what the line was, but, but in that second verse about my dad, there was something, and I think it was the nose above the water, keep it together while I fall apart. I had something else there. And I put it down, and I came back um, uh, 
a day later and looked at it and it was just plain as the nose on my face I'm like, that's wrong and i fixed that oh and yeah so we're done 30 so that was another five minutes so 35 minutes that song was done it's one of the best things i ever wrote yeah it's it's my favorite yeah, thing of yours mine too. But that's yeah. when i knew i had a record yeah it's a great when song. that song came out i went okay i got a record yeah that's so awesome. everything kind of that was the first one that came out and everything else kind of built around that. okay interestingly uh you know uh, going back to the the recovery days for a little while um and the accidental artist thing. Um, I went through that dark period, right? And one of my counselors, when I got out of uh, rehab for the fourth time, suggested I keep a journal. Uh-huh. And um, I said, I, I don't do journals. I'm too lazy. I think it's <laughs> stupid. She said, well, here's the deal. Um, you can see your progress. If you go, okay, I'm feeling like this. Here's where I'm at. A week or so, you can look at it and go, well, God, I'm feeling better than I was then, and it'll motivate you to keep going. And so I said, okay, I, I, I can get behind that. So I started writing songs, and one turned into two, two turned into, and then all of a sudden I realized it was a record. And, and it was called Killing Uncle Buzzy, which was mm-hmm. killing that guy, my, my alter ego, that was awesomely fun for about an hour and then just gross. And, uh, and so Killing Uncle Buzzy was, was literally the thing that, that launched my artist career again accidentally. I never intended for anybody to hear those songs. It was just a homework assignment. Then that thing starts growing legs and getting on famous people's buses. And uh, I had had a publishing deal for six years, I think, by then, and had a handful of little small things, but no real traction. And then Eric Church and Dirks and Jake Owen and all those guys fell in love with Killing Uncle Buzzy, that record. And that's when the magic started happening, which coincided with me getting sober. Right. What a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and um, and so, uh, so, uh, uh, and then I started getting invitations to go play. Yeah. So I go play these shows, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm sitting here singing about getting sober in a bar. People are like, yeah, holding yeah. their beer up, you know. That's an interesting phenomenon, it by was the way. bizarre. Yeah. But I did it. And yeah. For, for, for a while, I wouldn't even go in a bar. So that was a big challenge in the first place. I remember, you know, calling somebody like, <coughs> I'm walking in now. I'll call you when I'm done. I'm not going to drink. But damn, it's scary. Yeah. And then it's, over time, that kind of got to where that was not the issue anymore. Like, I didn't call anybody walking in today. But, sure. you know, now we're getting close to eight years. Uh, yeah. And then I played those songs for a year or two, and I kind of felt like, man, I'm not that guy anymore. I need something else. So I did a record called Old Ghost and Unfinished Business, which was basically, any, you know, anything that felt like forward momentum was going to be awesome. So there was not a lot of thought put into those songs. It was just the first six that I felt like these are great. There was really no theme, and I'm usually a th- I like I like records, and they're in order on a, mm. on purpose. Sure, right. Mm-hmm. That one was just me, just feeling like I'm rolling the rock up the hill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anything but killing Uncle Buzzy. So uh, this is a roundabout way to get back to first cigarette, which was, and uh, you know, then I'm I'm out touring for five or six years on those two records. And I ha- and both of those were really self-indulgent records, right? Mm. Both of those are me working on things. Because a lot of times I don't know what I feel about something until I write about it. Uh, and that's yeah. the way that I process. Sure. So um, really self-indulgent. Uh, I may be the most self-indulgent writer I know. You know, Ted uh, uh, Petty just, and man, those songs are so ambiguous. And you can write your own, you know, you can see yeah. yourself in the video. It's harder for me because all of this is me working my shit out, right? And I had an epiphany one day. I'm like, man, both of these records are so self-indulgent. If I'm sitting there listening to this depressing shit, I, I'd want to shoot myself in the face, and they keep showing up to these shows. So I said, I'm, yeah. I'm going to take the fans into consideration for the first time. 
Uh. And I started thinking about them, and that's where the levity came in. That's where the guy like me and the Pray for Jungle Lands and the underdogs yeah. came from, where you get to take a deep breath in between some of the heavy shit. You know what I mean? That's a great point. Yeah. That's it. So that record that's is intentionally sequenced in that way. That's a great point. Yeah. I didn't think about it in that manner, but it is kind of easier to listen to, yeah. it, and I want to listen to it over and over again because – I get that heavy dose, and then I get a little moment. Yep. I can do a sing along. Yep. yep. You know, and there's some great yep. sing alongs on that your one. Catch breath. Yep. And I, uh, I wasn't sure if I had done what I set out to do until I was in between publishing deals. I had left Cobalt, and I was looking for a new publishing deal. I went to BMG, and the 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 one of the ladies that was uh, that was uh, in the meeting that day. I played the whole record, and I said, obviously, these are somebody else's songs, but I think I got two or three more of these in me, if you'll trust me. And we hit play on the record, and she kept her eyes closed for the entire record, which was awesome. She was in wow. it, right? And when it was over, the last song played, and she opened her eyes, and she looked at me, and she said, Travis, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Killing Uncle Buzzy, one of the best records ever made, in my humble opinion. Mm. And I trust her opinion. <clears throat> and she said, but I felt like I was listening to your experience. Mm. This record, I feel like I'm listening to my own. And I went, that's wow. it. Wow. Well, I also think it, even with something like Killing Uncle Buzzy, it may be very personal to you. But one of the things James McMurtry told me when he was on the show, he said, you know, there's all like you like these songs, whatever those songs are, because you can attach to something. Yeah. You know, there's always something in there, because even if I haven't gone through what you've gone sure. through, my ex experience has not been your experience. But there are, there's a lot in all those in both those records sure. that I can pull from and attach to in some way. Otherwise, it's t it is tough to listen yep. to records that totally. you can't. You can appreciate the quality of the record, but if you can't in some way relate to that experience, it is difficult to really get yeah. deep. In yeah, it, it's know? funny because uh, you know, looking back on it now, most of the comments, um, the people that are, are that are listening to that are going through their own personal storm mm. now, and mm. that's when it really hits the sweet spot you know yeah. for them because i get a lot of that man i mean that record i was going through you know my wife died or oh you know, lost a child or i mean some heavy shit yeah. and those songs apply and that was really hard for me at first because it was just me getting sober right yeah. it was a homework assignment it wasn't me trying to save somebody else's life i didn't give a shit about somebody else i didn't <laughs> want to die because i got a kid right right but now looking back on it and the gift that kind of keeps on giving, it saved my life and now it's reaching. I mean, people are playing those songs in treatment centers all over America. That is an amazing beautiful. gift, right? Yeah. And uh, Barry Dean, who helped, I always, I always say he kind of helped land the plane, killing Uncle Buddy, because we had the record about half done and we weren't sure what to do because nobody's going to listen to this. The publishing company was jerking us around. Every time one of the big writers would come down and need the studios, they'd, they'd boot us. Yeah. Like, we need the studio for guys that are making us money. So, you sure. know, so I'm doing 30 minutes at a time here and there or whatever. But he came in and kind of helped us uh, land the plane. And I remember uh, at a really pivotal time when I really needed to hear it, he goes, you know, man, I said, this is never going to work. These are these are getting sober songs. Nobody wants to listen to getting sober songs. Right. And, uh, and he said, uh, man, my biggest problem is I eat too much chocolate cake. I'm telling you, I, I relate. Trust uh, me on this. And that was just enough for me to go, okay, and throw it out to the universe, you know. Yeah. And, and that really was the life-changing. I mean, it literally gave me an artist career. 
uh, got me, uh, you know, a, 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 some credibility in Nashville where I was pretty much had ruined it for being a, just a drunk. I'd show up to Colorado and just pass out. It was horrible. Oh, wow, yeah. <clears throat> and so, um, and it gave me my credibility back. And then, like I said, these artists are, are just started recording my songs. I mean, right. now, now every time Eric Church is doing a record, he calls me because of that record and told me flat out if you if you ever start writing that shit they're writing in nashville you're off the bus just keep being travis the artist and you'll keep getting in here with me wow yeah and that's Blackberry fantastic Smoke, you know the same yeah same uh-huh. deal me and charlie right for the same reasons because it's not that nashville thing it so at the end of the day i'm kind of you know the game that i play with the committee in my head now is the last thing nashville needs is another fucking song yeah right? we don't need it we could quit and they wouldn't even know we were gone for 10 years. Uh. We don't need another song. Um, so I don't like writing songs just for the sake of writing songs. Plus, I've written every idea I know to write 20 mm. different ways. Mm-hmm. So I either want to be writing a Travis song for my next record, or when Eric calls, I want to write an Eric song. And that keeps me, that keeps Travis the writer fulfilled. Yeah. You know, where I don't feel like I'm wasting time and wasting energy, which at this point, uh, with all the traveling I'm doing on, my, on the artist side, I don't have any time to waste. When I'm sitting down to write, it really kind of needs to count. Is it when you're, can you write on the road or do you need that room I, to go some to? Some people can. I, I, I can't. Yeah. I just can't. I, I, I do get some decent ideas sometimes mm. because there's a lot of driving. Yeah. But, but the actual sit down to it, I've not found, I've not found how to do that yet. Um, on the road you mean yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, I just i can't uh mm-hmm. some people some people uh, i think can but i can't I, and i've taken some trips i get on the bus and go out with some artists uh, on occasion and and we write during their downtime but but for me i can't i just kind of have to uh, you know make time in yeah. between touring or when you have that idea you're out on the road you have that idea you're driving in the van or whatever do you write that down somewhere oh, yeah. physically, yeah. like pen to paper kind of thing? Yeah, uh, yeah uh, thumb to iPhone, but yeah. Oh, uh, you do though? Yeah, your totally. iPhone? Yeah, and if I have a, a melody idea, I record it real quick. Okay, you just know. like with your mouth or something? Yeah, just, well, I, yeah, I'll just kind of sing the la da 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 you yeah. know, and then write the idea down. And I have, it took me, you know, a long time, to, but a lot of times I've got thousands of little one word or two word ideas you know one sentence i don't know what it is and so i call it my bag of tricks and when i'm starting to try to look for something to write i, I start scrolling through and some of them are like what was i even thinking so mm. so these days when i get an idea you know uh i don't know sex on the beach because i'm sitting here looking sex on the beach is the idea yeah and then in parentheses i'll go you know uh you're in a bar and she's drinking the drinks you know what i mean because otherwise i have no idea what i was even thinking that was you know because it could have been six months ago when i wrote that idea down so a lot of times that helps me just to kind of put it in context what, yeah you know, what what's this idea about and and sometimes that's all i need to kind of jump start the motor oh, i love that yeah i wonder whether because when i'll write i write constantly like i'll have an idea if i can have a space you know if there's if I'm not right in the middle of an, a conversation like this or something, then I'll sit and I'll sit and write it down, and then yep. I'll move about my day. I always have a little journal in my back pocket, you know, make sure I'm ready to go just in case. Um, but I do the same thing where like I'll come back to something I jotted down and go, "Hell, what was yeah, what was, what that? was that?" So that's a really yeah. good thought, like an annotation to the side yeah. or something, yeah. 
kind of giving you some context on what that idea was supposed yes, to be uh, about. Because it's, you know, you, uh, it's, you mm-hmm. kind of feel like you've lost something sometimes, right? God, yeah. That had to be important enough for me to write it down. What yeah. the hell was I thinking? Yeah. So sometimes you, you know, kind of put an anchor in it with the parentheses. This is, this is what, you know, the whole song takes place in a car. Yeah. Right? The whole uh-huh. song takes place. And that, that a lot of times is enough for me. I, I, I'm kind of quirky. I kind of have to see myself in the video. Mm. right when I'm writing a song uh, because I've written myself in a corner so much this sounds cool and you know when I get a verse I'm like what the hell does it even mean so I kind of have to see the video before I start putting the pieces of the puzzle together so uh, the video in your mind's eye like not physical filming a video no 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 just in my mind's eye yeah because um man how do you even approach that like um because, you, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you're kind of freewheeling, right, and you're playing, and, and these words kind of start coming out, and they sound really cool, but there's no context. Uh-huh. And you get two really great verses, and you have nowhere to go with it, and, uh-huh. and it's just kind of disheartening. Like, yeah, I just wasted all of these flowery, wonderful words on something <laughs> that I can't finish. Right. Uh, you know, in my defense, a lot of those, I'll just take them and kind of stick them somewhere else because a lot of that stuff, you know, is gold. Yeah. But... You know, it's it's a lot easier for me to to have the context and to kind of see. Okay, the whole song takes place in a car. You know, uh, pray for jungle land. The whole thing's mm-hmm. in a car, right? And, you, and you're riding up and down the road, and your whole world revolves around Friday night. And you're 18, waiting on a Springsteen song to come on the radio. Yeah. Give me that much, I can write a song. That's beautiful, yeah. man. You mentioned that if Eric Church calls, you're picking up you're picking up that call. You're gonna write with him. Yes. Uh, or for him. Who else? Who else is like? Are you listening to or consuming? You know, it's a, it's going to sound horrible, but I don't listen really? to a lot. Yeah, I don't because I try to keep myself busy enough that I don't know what anybody else is doing. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's a, it's a it's a detriment in some ways because I don't know what's young and current and awesome. Yeah, but. But, you know, I certainly know I'm not stealing anybody's ideas. Stealing anybody's oh, ideas yeah. because I, Cause I'm not, not listening. listening. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And then, my, you know, I've been doing this so long. You know, we get into music because we love music. Sure. And then the business of music will kind of steal the soul of yeah. it if you're not careful and it's not fun anymore. And I don't want that to happen. So um, so for pleasure, you know, the guy cuts grass. What, <clears throat> what's the last thing he wants to do when he gets home? Cut yeah. his grass. Sure, you know, I sure. know guys that cut grass for a living, hire somebody to do their own, uh, but they don't want to do it, you know? Yeah. So uh, music is so much a part of my life that sometimes to get away from that, you know, for entertainment, I'm not listening to music. I'm so is that... Is podcasts. That, okay, that was going to be my question. Podcasts, like, what classical else? music, no words. Okay. Because I'll critique. Yeah. <laughs> You know, God, they missed that idea so bad, man. Right. Is there a particular composer that you listen to, classical? Uh, no, I mean, my, my favorite is probably Mozart. Okay. Yeah, love that. What about podcasts? Favorite podcast? Uh, Joe Rogan, man. Really? Joe Rogan is the I'm a, I'm on a I'm on a roll. Interesting. Uh, what what is it you like about Rogan's show? He's so balanced. Uh, he's so balanced, and he's and he's smart. Um, kind of scary smart for a guy that fights, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. But I love because he'll have he'll have uh, far left people on, uh-huh. and he and he won't he won't walk the plank with them. Uh. He'll have far right people, and and he won't walk the plank. He'll be like, yeah, but. Oh, and I love yeah. I love the I love the centrist because I've, I you know every and I don't even try because I'm not going to talk about elections. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not going to do it. But when the election cycle rolls around, I'll listen to the Democrats and I'll listen to the Republicans because I feel like truth is found somewhere in the middle because sure. both of them some bitches are lying. Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, so I really, especially at this stage in my life, and, and I'm, I, I, like, I consider myself a seeker of truth, a seeker of, 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 of authentic things. And yeah. so... Um, um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like people, you know, to to get, uh, you know, just pick a team and and this is the way we do things because this is which side we're on. I think that's, I think that's a bad way to live life. Man, you know? I needed that. I needed to hear you say that. That because I walked the plank out the left with them. I will. I just yeah. did it with BJ earlier. Yeah. I did. You know, and I do it a lot. And I'm sure people listening right now are like, yeah, you sure as hell do. Yeah. I mean, you know, but if, if you're paying attention. And, and 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 we are we're definitely going to gravitate towards our circle of influence sure. right you're just going to do it, it yeah. facebook knows it that's why that's why yeah. i bet you know your feed looks different than mine for sure you know what i mean for sure and they know that and that's part of the thing that bothers me yeah that's what bothers me they they know you know based on what you're looking at in google searching and yep. they, man, i bet he would buy one of these that's i bet he would be interested in this article yeah. that bothers me i don't want them to be able to just go well he is a yeah. he's a lefty or he's a righty i want them to have to work at it you that's, know what I mean? yeah I, i'm with you and that's one of the reasons i stay off of the computer all together in the mornings yeah. i don't start my day off with it it's good for you man it'll pollute you know, the rest of your day man it will and i notice how much happier i am yeah. and how much clear-headed i am now you know the rest of my day is full of internet sure. of course but those first two hours is my commitment yeah. now i've sucked out of the last couple of days to be perfectly honest but gearing up for like these conversations sure. and making sure that I'm, you know, ready. But, but for months there, I was really, really good about it. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I kind of peel myself off of, uh, I kind of peel myself off of, uh, the, uh, the socials pretty much all together because I, I, I started drowning. Mm. I started mm-hmm. drowning a little bit, man. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I've, and I've noticed, um, I'm so much more happier and, and, yep. um, and I'm still I'm still informed. I'm just not inundated with a with a 24-hour news cycle, you know, yeah. and and people's opinions of what they really don't know shit about, but right. they but they act like they're experts. I'm I'm kind of removed myself from that, and uh, you know, it kind of frees me up to to kind of make some of my own opinions. And uh, you know, but if you're not listening to that, man, you know, honestly, none of that stuff. Uh, I better not say that. <laughs> Things are never as bad as they make them. Yeah, I'm, just, no, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Yep, I'm it's with ne- you. The world's not blowing up, and we're not dying. I'm with you. Yep. And uh, fear <laughs> sells, brother. It does. Fear sells, yep. and we're buying. Violent crimes at all-time lows. Yeah. Fewer, yeah. fewer oh, wars than longer. anywhere. Shit, we're, we're living, living way past 80. I mean, yep. you know, we're, we're doing better than we ever have. Yep. It's just we're paying so much more attention. It's scary as shit. Yep. That's a good place to end it. Yeah. Travis, thank you so much. My pleasure, This was man. a great conversation. Yeah. I can't wait for the set tonight, too. It's going to be great, man. Thanks awesome. so much for your time, thank buddy. You so thank much. you so much. Cheers, man. Great. If I could buy myself a concert it wasn't broken Mend every fence I drove my heart head through 
Relock all the doors I wish I'd never opened Unlearn the things I wish I never knew And it came out through the bottom Came out through my fears Came out way too early I wish it never did down it comes out sideways push it down it comes out sideways bitter roads turn into highways push it down it comes out travis sideways. meadows y'all what a fascinating guy what a great songwriter Incredible performer. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. Thank you so much to Travis for spending time with us. Such a cool night, and uh, I can't wait to get the BJ Barham episode out to y'all as well. We had an incredible conversation earlier in the day. Just really fortunate with what's going on with the show, and so much of that is due to your love and support. Thank you to all our Patreon patrons. It just makes such a difference. I mean, whatever little bit you can contribute. And of course, I'm doing my best to try to provide some content that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise. And so far, the feedback has been really positive. So if you get a chance, go over to patreon.com and check out what the options are. Every little bit helps, and we really appreciate it, y'all. What I'm getting down on, oh man, I'm so fortunate to really be surrounded by creative people and interesting people who are turning me on to different different opportunities. I finished a couple of books recently. One of the cooler experiences I've had in a while was with my really good friend Bill, who I go hiking with every summer. So typically I have a couple weeks off in the summer. Bill and I go spend a few days in the woods and just turn off our phones and decompress. And um, those trips have become kind of sacred for us. And we've done it for the better part of a decade now. We went to North Carolina recently and we haven't really had a chance to go backpacking the way we normally do because of health and family and, you know, major life events and things like that. Just kind of getting in the way as we grow up and get older. But still, we went and did a couple of day hikes. We did like 13 miles one day, did about seven the next day through the Smoky Mountains and got a chance to explore the quaint little town of Bryson City, North Carolina. Um, I had gone up there last year, had to turn around and come home because of a health issue, kind of a scary health issue that thankfully worked out all right. Uh, And I kind of wanted to revisit it, you know, and see what was going on up there. Well, Bill and I are are, uh, talking about the trip and uh, something came up where I told him about the book Endurance, the one that Science from an Easy Chair, Have Gun, Will Travel's outstanding record is, uh, is based on and the book that I've talked about a couple of times on the show. And I described the, the, the sort of plot of the book, and he goes, oh, Endurance? Which just, just totally blew my mind. Here's one of my best friends. We have not discussed this book at all. He does not listen to Half Gun Will Travel, or at least he didn't until this trip. And he's reading the exact same book. The reason he was reading it is because someone in Canada, when he was there on business, happened to recommend it when they started talking about liking to go hiking and being outdoors and things like that. Just kind of a wild coincidence, and it turned into a really special moment for Bill and and I because we were finishing the book at right about the same time. How he was he was a little behind me, but during the trip he just really got engrossed in it and ended up being that I read the last chapter 
on our way home, I read the last chapter to him while he drove. And then we listened to Science from an Easy Chair, um, Have Gun Will Travel's excellent 2016 album that, uh, that I talked about in a lot of detail with Matt Burke in episode 14. It was a really cool moment. And really, frankly, if I'm uh, opening up as much as I hope to on the show, I, I got a little emotional, you know, here sharing this moment with one of my best friends I've known for 20 years and having a chance to read the same book. And then the book itself is pretty emotionally affecting, especially if you're somebody who spends some time outdoors or has an adventurous spirit at all. What I'm also getting down on is Micah Schnabel's excellent first novel, Hello, My Name is Henry. Um, the title is the same as a, a title of a song off of his excellent uh, record that he released uh, just last year. Just really, really fantastic, um, really fantastic book and a, and a great solo record from Micah. He's going to be on the show again. He was episode three. He's going to be on the show again. I recorded with him um, just about two days after I recorded this particular episode. So I'm stoked for that. Also, Treeborn by Caleb Johnson man this book is great uh it's actually mentioned if you if you've heard the lee baines episode it's actually mentioned in the lee baines episode uh lee talked about the fact that he helped uh caleb kind of edit it and talk about and and kind of talk through some ideas the book is beautifully written caleb's got a, a real gift and clearly works hard on it um i'm gonna I'm going to try to see if I can reach out to Caleb if we're ever in the same town and get him on the show. This book is just blowing my mind. I absolutely love it. I've also been listening to a couple of things, but the thing that's really got my attention is uh, Garrett Capps. Sarah Shook of Sarah Shook and the Disarmers tweeted or posted it on Instagram or something about this guy. And I'd heard his name before, but never really spent any time with his music. Elos Lonely Hipsters is the name of the record I've been really digging, and I highly recommend uh, that particular record. Great songs, really kind of a different approach. He comes at it from a different angle, um, and I like, I really dig what he's doing. Two podcasts I've been just absolutely loving um, the Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. I've mentioned it before on the show, but the, the two about memory are really fantastic. And, uh, and then the most recent episode is also awesome. And then uh, I love the show The Treatment, The Treatment with Elvis Mitchell. He talks to actors and filmmakers and just people involved in film. And Louis Anderson is on there. He talks a lot about some really heavy concepts around um, gender and around sort of um, body issues and identity and it's just it's just a beautiful conversation and uh, and Elvis Mitchell is one of my interviewing heroes anyway thank you all so much for listening thank you to Travis uh, thank you to Patrick and, and Brenna who both work with Travis and made this happen thank you so much to my good friend and my favorite photographer on earth Jen Ross of Jen Ross Photography for capturing incredible images of Travis that you'll see on the website and then uh, also she got some great photos of American Aquarium BJ returns to the marinade y'all BJ Barham in a couple of weeks can't wait to get that one out to you we got a bonus episode on marinadepodcast.com with Casey Anderson that I'm really proud of I think it turned out really well as well as my review of From a White Hotel his new record that'll be out July 27th can't say enough about that one thank you so much for all your support and for listening marinade podcast 
at Marinade Podcast on Twitter, uh, Marinade underscore podcast on Instagram, marinadepodcast.com. Shoot us an email, marinadepodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate all the interactions that we've had with fans of the show recently, and please keep it coming. Feedback too, if there's something that you feel like I can do better, or if there's something you really particularly enjoy about the show, it really helps to hear that kind of feedback. And thank you to those of you who uh, continue to engage, especially on Twitter. Cheers, y'all.